Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the It's Not Orange podcast and tonight we'll be looking back at Tuesday's win against Cheltenham at Bloomfield Road and previewing this weekend's big clash against Peterborough. Blackpool looked to strengthen their position in the top six as they sneaked into the playoffs on Tuesday evening and first of all we'll be looking at that Peterborough game then giving our thoughts on the Cheltenham game. Um, first of foremost let me introduce you to Dan from the Yellow Block podcast. How are you doing buddy? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. No, you're most welcome. Looking forward to talking about our game. Welcome back, Kurt. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Interesting game to discuss this week after after Tuesday, a role reversal of Saturday. So, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we played 90 minutes of uh, really decent football, but in two different games, didn't we? So, look forward to dissecting that game too. And back-to-back episodes for Hoggy, mate. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Tom, yourself? Yeah, good mate. Good to have you back. Um, because we we previewed this game together. Um, so good to review it as well. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Just tell us a little bit about why you support Peterborough, and and feel free to talk about Yellow Block podcast as well. Yeah, well, I, I was born in Peterborough um, many, 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 many moons ago. Um, didn't really grow up uh, at, in Peterborough, but I grew up in a place where there wasn't really a lot of big football teams. I think the closest sort of you know middling team towards me was Grimsby and I was not supporting them so uh, <laughs> I went back to my hometown club it's where most of my family are from and, and still are so yeah I, I wanted to support something close to my heart and, and not be like everybody else at school supporting like the likes of Arsenal United and, and, and all of them um, so yeah we started the yellow block god four maybe even five years ago now um, part of the TalkSport network as well now uh, we, we do sort of match previews, match reviews, um, you know, a bit of gossip here and there. And, and, you know, when something big happens at the club, like we appoint a manager for a ninth time, you know, we'll, we'll put an emergency podcast out just for the laughs. Uh, but yeah, no, good group of lads and it's a pleasure to do it. Well, you've stepped straight on my toes because my first subject I wanted to talk about was, of course, your manager, um, Mr. Ferguson. It's an appointment which we just spoke about pre-pod um, and what five or six times maybe a caretaker role in between that as well um I had opinion not opinion really a question just is it is it lazy from the chairman or is it tried and tested and you know it works but as as a football club surely I think if we had Neil Critchley every other manager you'd, you'd probably potentially want to try something different or are you generally sort of happy with his consistency and what he brings to the club look it's a bit of both and it's one that divides the uh the fan base a lot to be honest yeah <sighs> I see where they're coming from in the fact that, you know, he's our most successful manager. He's got a good track record of, you know, signing young players and building them up and selling them for loads of dough, which is what our club's about. It's what we, you know, sort of survive off of because without that, God, we'd be like Berry, like, you know, like the likes of, of, of them years ago. So I can't really grumble too much, but also, you know, I mean, just look at the back end of last season. You know, I'm sure every League One fan has had a giggle at us and will continue to do so for the next couple of years. But that absolute capitulation against Sheffield Wednesday in the away leg, it's absolutely diabolical. And to not have a, a change of manager at the end of that, to then give him another deal, you know, and to do what we did in the Championship, which was go nine games without a win, give him a six... um sorry, a three-year deal after nine games without a win and then go on a four-month losing streak. 
only to then let him leave by mutual decision, not even sack him. You know, it's, it's a bloody joke. I, I'm very opinionated on this. I'm in the minority, to be honest, in that I'm not a fan of the Fergie appointment this time round, not the last time. I, I, I don't think he's right for the club anymore. I think, that, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, it's been tried and tested, but good God, we need to try something new because this new team is absolutely terrible. Yeah, I was... It was- yeah, I was just going to say I didn't really want to bring up the playoffs to be honest with you because the whole. I appreciate world, that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I genuinely like the whole football and world. Obviously, watched that game, and I was remember driving home from I think I was in Fetford or something for the first leg. Just listened to the last bit, and they were just basically saying like, book your tickets, etc. And it's probably one of the most heartbreaking games to be involved in, and probably you probably still didn't believe it the next day. I take it. No, no, I. <sighs> God, the the lonely walk through Sheffield back to my car was absolutely horrible. And I'd managed to park in the most stupid place because I had to walk through all the Wednesday fans. And all I could hear the entire way was phone calls to their dads and their missus. Like, oh, we've done it. We're going to Wembley. And I'm like, it should be me. What have we done? And yeah, went into work the next day, absolutely rinsed by everybody at work, you know, and God, they still haven't dropped it. I still get reminders of it regularly. So. Yeah. It was pretty mad, but we'll move on, Kurt. You go ahead, mate. Yeah, I, we're, as Blackpool fans, we always have like a vested interest in ownership because we've obviously had our troubles over time. And I noticed earlier on this year, the, the sort of joint financial companies that own Peterborough went into receivership. Has there any been been some sort of knock-on from that? I, I appreciate Dara's still sort of chairman slash owner, but you've got some Canadian investment. As, uh, what's the sort of situation with that? Is anything to be concerned about? Um, everything to be concerned about. Now, I need to be careful what I say because um, there's, there's been a bit of backstage con- controversy as well. Uh, now, allegedly the club finds itself in upwards of £16 million worth of debt. Allegedly, there is a dispute between the ownership, um, those named Canadian investors, one against the other, one taking the side of Dara and the other claiming that they have not been um, compensated properly from funds going into the club and that the club has misplaced finances, allegedly. Now... This has all gone on for far too long. We're talking 18 months into it now, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Um, The stadium is in receivership. There hasn't been a lot of investment this summer um, for whatever reason. But, you know, the off-field supposed issues would suggest that there is monetary issues. Um, It's all a bit sketchy. And we all need to be careful with what we say because nothing's confirmed. And when suggestions are made, people, rightfully so, get a bit tetchy because, you know, you're calling into to question their legitimacy and their ethics and, you know, their integrity. So myself as a posh fan, I am honestly worried about the future of the club. Um I've been quite vocal about that before the season. I and to be honest, very surprised with how well this squad has done up to this point. And I'm waiting for the collapse. Um, I don't think we'll keep many of our best players. We've already sold many of them already. Uh, so 
it, yeah, it, it's it's troubling times. We, we've been through worse. We've had a similar issue before. Dara took over a club, and he's done right by us for the majority of the time. Uh, a lot of the fan base have soured over him uh, in in the last few years for numerous reasons. But you know, I, I, I'd like to keep the faith and and I'd like to see him sort of turn things around. But it, it doesn't look good right now. Are you a fan of uh, Dara's? way of going about things on social media because a lot of fans like the openness because they're not fans of your club so I don't know if, if Sadler was like that for Blackpool I'd, I'd like it as much but it's definitely interesting to say the least see this is the thing I, he used to be very open and I used to love that he was one of the very few outspoken chairmans in the football league and then since Covid and the whole sort of debacle with, with Wickham lobbying all the other clubs to, to do the points per game curtailing and you know us and Pompey and a few other clubs sort of saying well no that's not right since then he sort of backed off a little bit and he's not really been as transparent he's not really been as open with the fans but he sort of feigns that he is it's a bit of a weird one I, I think he's he's nowhere near as open as he used to be I think there would be some people that would challenge that and I think he himself would probably challenge it a lot but I, I just think there's a lot being hidden and obviously you know the supposed financial problems behind the club are an absolute testament to that because nobody knows what's going on and we're talking again like I say 18 months into this this whole sort of situation and, and nobody's any clearer as to what's actually happening so you know I can see why people would think that he's as open as he is today as you know we, if we go back sort of 10 years when he was very, very open, again, in my opinion. Um, and now, you know, many people outside of the club won't really see a difference. But it, it, it's completely different now. And, you know, his podcast is it, sort of like a an excuse to big himself up and toot his own horn. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going to say any French it? words, but, yeah, it's it's all very, yeah, yeah, look at me. And, oh, my God, yeah, I can't stand I, think, it. I don't want to, like, continue this conversation too much longer, but I think what puts me off about him is when he's very arrogant, like when he's on holiday saying, don't you worry, Porsche fans, you're going to get this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it just kind of screams to me that, yeah, it's nice, but at the same time, it's it's just a bit unprofessional in some ways as well. So, Well, that's we'll, the we'll thing. Though, he's always been that way, though. He's always been like, oh, you know, we're going to come through this. You know, oh, I've done the business for you again. And like I say, the fans used to love that, but it all seems a bit fake now. And it, it, yeah, it's not going into a good way. Yeah, well, we'll talk about on-field matters um, and your current form is something to be fairly proud of in your last six you've won three and drawn three got your first away win against Port Vale on the weekend uh, in midweek sorry um, and in the last ten you've only lost two and Blackpool lost three but I've picked up um, a lot more recently so it's posing itself to be a very good game but you seem fairly pessimistic about your current season clearly haven't watched every single 90 minutes that you've played your players on the pitch, despite selling a lot of your talent, is is very creative and and very attacking. You've got obviously Johnson Clark Harris on the bench, and we've been screaming for a struggle at for many times before roads come about. But just talk to us about how you've been playing, and if it is in well, from from the vibe you're giving off um, that bad. Yeah, so I, coming into this season, we lost Jack Taylor, which was our big sort of playmaker. He was the midfield maestro. He made everything. Um, so that is a massive loss. We were expecting to also lose Johnson Clark Harris 
and uh, Ronnie Edwards, who are the next best two. Uh, Ronnie Edwards being a, an England under-21s international, very, very, very good. Uh, and Johnson Clark Harris, obviously, two-time Golden Boot winner. Now, if you look at our team on paper and the money that has not been spent, um, you know, the, the loan signings, and it, it shouldn't work. You know, some of these players have barely played professional football or our keeper had five games under his belt when he came in and he's the starter. You know, the squad did not fill anybody with confidence at all. However, they do seem to be overperforming. And I don't know whether that's because we've hit teams at the right time and just, you know, we've got really lucky with, with the games and the chances that we make or if, you know, this team is actually really, really good and we're just seeing you know, the, the, te- the, the start of something special, it, 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 it's still for me a little bit too early. We're what, two and a half months into the season now. And, you know, we're, we're still up in and around the playoffs, which is very good. I wasn't expecting anywhere near that. I was expecting mid table or lower. Um, so yeah, it, it's all seeming a bit promising, but as you sort of alluded to our away form is, something that needs to be challenged and it has been for a while last season it was pretty poor as evidenced by Sheffield Wednesday um season before that in the championship it was bloody dire so and this is all under the same manager might I add so we've been saying for a long time there's obviously a mentality issue in the team and in the squad I think that extends to the management you know they they clearly don't like going away from home and you know I'd love to know the reason but we're never going to know it because they won't tell us will they no, I suppose not. And um, the mention of Johnson Clark Harris there threads in nicely with with the talk about key players because, as you say, your squad on paper is 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 somewhat unbelievable in, in some respects. I appreciate some of them are young, but as you know, they they hold a lot of talent. So obviously, you've got Poku, um, Harrison Burrows, Mason Clark, um, who scored midweek, um, second top goal scorer, and of course that that of Johnson Clark Harris, um, along with you know some pretty talented defenders coming through the ranks as well. So talk to us about your current players or maybe even the Johnson Clark Harris situation because I don't know how close he was to actually being sold because it was obviously a very dramatic deadline day. Um, but I don't know if that um, speaks volumes about your, your situation with, you, with your money and the fact you need, you need it um, or it's just a case of, you know, it was time for him to go back to his, his previous club. But give us sort of a couple of minutes on, on, on your key players and, and Johnson Clark Harris. So I'll start with Johnson Clark Harris. Um, in terms of how close he was to actually moving, as I understand it, he was in the Bristol Rovers training ground. Um, there was an 800k fee agreed on paper, and in a very sort of similar situation to the David De Gea to Madrid fiasco, God, oh, eight years ago now, showing my age, um, the right paperwork was not submitted in time. And the transfer fell through because of that. And then Johnson Clark Harris ultimately ended up playing for us the following Tuesday. So he was as good as gone. I think we already signed a replacement in um, in Jake Waitlin. So, you know, the fact that he, he's still at the club is an absolute miracle. Now, he hasn't been performing very well. However, he is still scoring goals, which we love to see. Um, and he's, he's still a very big threat for us. Um, he's not starting every game, in fairness. But, but, you know, when he, he does, he makes an impact most of the time. Sometimes he, he disappears, but I think that's more a testament to his 
his strength that you know teams are doubling up, tripling up on him and, and marking him out of the game. So you know if if we can bring that sort of talent on the pitch to most games, you know we're laughing because it frees up other players. Um, you mentioned Poku; he's very creative, very good, very fast. Sometimes his decision making is terrible. Um, so you know if he gets it in the box, it's fifty fifty whether he'll flap it or score it. Um, the big one for me, and I've been saying it for absolutely years, is uh, is Ronnie Edwards. Now, Ronnie Edwards is an absolute machine. He's a centre-back maestro. Beckenbauer in an England shirt. He's not that good. He's playing in League One. But he's very, very good. Um, and he will be the absolute key to our defence because everybody else around him, with the exception of Peter Chioso, is not the best. We've got a left-winger in Harrison Burroughs in, uh, in left-back. Very, very good player in his own right, but he's playing out of position. Um, you've got, depending on who we start, Romney Critchlow as the other centre-back. Attack him. He is the weak link. He is absolutely terrible. Um, and then the other centre-back is Josh Knight. Very good. Championship experience. He's fantastic. Wanted to leave. Uh, I think he had a, a deal on the cards to QPR. Um, and then I think he failed the medical and it, it fell through. Um, so, something along those lines, but he, he was signed to QPR and it fell through. It's good um, for him now, though, to be fair, because QPR well, came back to League One. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's still stuck in it at us. So. Yeah, I, I don't really know who's winning there. Um, but no, look, the team, again, on paper, it, it looks like it shouldn't work. We've got a captain who's a loney for one. I hate that. Good God, do I hate that. But, it's because the captain at the start of the season, Ephraim Mason Clark, didn't work. Um, so, you know, obviously the management know that changes need to be made in the squad. You know, they're still tinkering. We're playing players out of position constantly. Um, Randall, who I'm sure you might know, um, is uh, is a player that, again, is playing out of position. He's naturally a winger. We signed him to be the, the replacement for Sariki Dembele. Um, and he ended up being quite bad, <laughs> to be honest. He, he had a terrible debut and... Uh, very, very, very sporadic sort of set of games after that and then got injured. Um, but he's back now. He seems to be playing okay. Again, decision-making is something to be desired, but he's only young. Um, and he's got pace, he's got skill. He scored from a corner a couple of weeks ago, which is always nice. You love to see that. So, yeah, it, look, on paper and on our on our good days, we can churn out a result, but I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in this team. I think it's too young, it's too naive. And there's too many players not playing where they need to play. Yeah, just just my next subject, really. Um, you talked about your weak link. Is that your only weak link um, at the back with Kyoso? Or, uh, you know, we Blackpool tend to try and play a high-pressing game at home. Um, Weaver, which we'll come on to talk about a bit later, play first or second 45 minutes exceptionally well, depending what Blackpool turn up. Um, so do you like being pressurised? Are, are you comfortable sitting back at that or... or other than Kyo, so give us a give us a couple of your weak links or, or any weak links you feel you have. I, I don't think the team copes well under pressure, to be honest. And again, I think that's because they're young and and you know, like I say, you've got a, a left winger in in left back. Uh, you know, Harrison Burrows is a fantastic player. I never take that away from him. He's great, and he came through our academy. I can't say a bad word about him, but he's not a left back, and teams know that and they attack him. Um, Kyoso is uh, is our right back. He's the lone E. He's actually very good. Um, I wouldn't say he's the weak link. He's probably been our best player so far this season. It's Critchlow, the left side. Oh, Critchlow, sorry. Um, apologies, yeah. Yeah, so that's the, that's the one I'd say you want to focus on. He 
oh God, he's dire. And to be honest, we knew that coming into the season. When we signed him, it was all a bit, oh, you know, not really a player we know. What's he like? And then we got um, sort of, you know, fans of, oh, I can't remember where he was. It was, um, it was Bradford, think, wasn't it? Thank you, Bradford. Yeah, he uh, signed it from Bradford because he made it. Again, Darren made it out to be an exceptional sign and I watched yes. it a few times and he was just not great. So, Well, this is the thing. So Darren made it out to be this incredible signing, you know, big, strong. Um, and then we had endless amounts of comments on all social media platforms on that post from Bradford fans saying, <laughs> thanks, um, and running away to the bank. So, God, uh, yeah, he's not been great. His decision-making has been terrible. He is a liability in the area. Um, so let's hope he's not playing for us. Um, well, I suppose you would hope that he is. Um, and hopefully we've got Josh Knight starting, which has, to be honest, been the norm um, since uh, since the first international break, what, five, six weeks ago now. Um, so hopefully Critchlow won't be in the team. Um, midfield, again, is probably a, a, a weakness, to be honest. We've got... We haven't really got holding midfielder. You know, obviously we lost Ollie Norburn to you. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say a bad word about it. He said he wanted to move close to his family. So, you know, fair play to the bloke. Um, and, you know, we, we've we lost Fuchs to injury and he never really seems to be fit anymore. And that's our whole in midfield gone. So we've got two quite attacking midfielders um, sort of leading leading that sort of pack of players. And it, it, it doesn't really work for the formation that we play and the way that Fergie likes to play. He likes to have a holder. And without that, we crumble under pressure. So there's definitely question marks to be had over the team. There's definitely weaknesses to be exploited. And and that pressure game from, from you is going to be our undoing. We, we are good on the counter, but we don't soak pressure up well at all. And if you constantly press us, if you keep the ball and constantly drill crosses into the box, we've got short centre-backs. You're going to win a lot of headers and we're going to struggle. You, you're very optimistic. Um, uh, We're Dan, not good away. I can't be. Hoggy, uh, I'll just come to you. Um, fairly promising considering, and we'll come on to talk about Norburn before wrapping up the uh, preview in a second, Dan, but it, it, it sits well for us that we've liked to keep the ball um, in recent weeks, obviously, especially at home, and we're becoming more clinical with the ball despite the second half against Chelton, which we'll come on to soon. Um, but that, that diagnostics from from down there would would say that we should um, have a little bit of success um, on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my, two questions for Dan. One, have you thought about being a motivational speaker? And two, can you be in the Peter dressing room before the game um, on Saturday, please? Um, no, in all seriousness, I, I, I appreciate the honesty. Um, I'm just sat here scribbling notes whilst whilst you're you're talking away. And I, I can't help but think that high press is, is going to be the one for us. Um, you're saying that if he's not got a defensive midfielder to hold it together for you, I'd like to think we're going to throw Dembele back in there again to, to pick up the pieces. And I think we're going to be the opposite in terms of Norburn's probably going to be back. Dougal's in there playing like a man possessed at the minute so they can hopefully count, counterbalance against your, your two attacking midfielders. And then between... Probably Rhodes are going to imagine. Well, sorry, definitely Rhodes. Uh, probably Lavery and CJ and, and Dale coming back in if we can put the pressure on. Certainly, your um, who was your left winger playing left back? Sorry, Dan. Harrison Burrows. Harrison Burrows. Um, CJ Hamilton, um, the poor Cheltenham left back on on Tuesday night. Honestly, at one point, CJ Hamilton made him look like he was on Strictly Come Dancing 
didn't know if it was coming or going, the poor guy. So hopefully CJ can carry that on um, on Tuesday. And yeah, we can we can get another three points and move on to, to the pub team. By that he means Fleetwood, by the way, just in case you didn't know. Um, I wanted to talk to you before um, before wrapping up about Ollie Norburn because originally when we were meant to sign him before he had that horrific injury um, that kept him out for a while, I was very excited. Um, and I know with Taylor, um, younger, went for more money, etc. But actually, Peter Profans were as frustrated at losing him um, as they was with Norburn. We've seen probably enough of him now, um, gents um, below me. I think you'll agree that we can probably start to say starting to tick over a little bit more. And now Dougal's playing in a much more central area, not leaving him exposed. We're seeing the best of Ollie Norburn now. And he's got a bit of an injury where I think his like, neck muscle is just probably being rested for, for this big game, to be fair. Um, hopefully he is back anyway. But... How did you generally feel about him away from not minding leaving because he's getting closer to family? But it was was he a big loss for you guys? If you signed a replacement, would you have cared? Or, you know, talk to me about how you felt. It's, it's a massive loss. You know, it, he captained a lot of our games last year when he came back. And, and you know, we said on the podcast when, when he actually came back from injury in January, it was like a new signing, you know, because we didn't get along with him before he had that injury. We, we had sort of a, a half a season. And he was our standout player in the championship. He was absolutely incredible. And then when he came back in League One, again, he absolutely drove that team. He was the best player on the pitch in so many games. And I honestly think he was probably our biggest loss of the season. You know, you say what you want about Jack Taylor. Jack Taylor was obviously going to be a miss. He's incredible. He, he's, he, you know, whips the ball left, right, and centre. He can hit it from distance. And, you know, he's a very good controlling midfielder. But Ollie Norburn just brought that intensity, that physicality into the side that we're really lacking now. And, you know, it, it shows in our games and in, in our away performances because we're just not physical enough. We're not we're not getting behind the team enough. And, you know, he gets himself about, which is fantastic for a holding midfielder. So, look, you, you've signed an absolute gem there and you should be very thankful every time he enters the pitch because he's one of the best players in this league, and I'll stand by that. Uh, I hold no hard feelings to him at all. You know, he had a perfectly good reason to want to move. And, yeah, like I say, he signed a gem. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've liked him since the start. I know, Hoggy, you've, you've potentially disagreed with that at the start, but I think, I don't know, actually, your opinion on him now, you might as well say it because I'm, I'm not arguing your point first early on in the season. Um, basically, Dan, we played... Um, Albie Morgan and um, I forgot who we played with him now. It was felt like ages ago, but they they ended up drifting fairly wide, which left him literally exposed in the middle on the centre circle by himself trying to do everything. And he still looked okay. But Hoggy, I don't know how you feel. He's gotten since Dougal's sort of settled down in the team and, and playing much better. He's absolutely grown on me, no doubt about it. I said pre-season he'll be the captain and he'll be the leader. And I think, like Dan's alluded to, as this season goes on, if we're where we want to be, he'll be the one driving us into that position every single game, week in, week out. I actually think his his performances have improved um, because Critchley brought Casey into the team and, and dropped Marvin after one too many errors trying to play out from the back. Because I think Norburn was too busy looking over his shoulder, worrying what was going on behind him, if I'm being honest. Um, and now, like you say, he's, he's found the partners alongside him as well in midfield, yes, but he's just stopped, stopped having to worry about what's happening behind him and what mistakes he might have to cover up for. Um 
not a dig at Marvin, by the way, because he's been asked to do something that he wasn't comfortable from us um, in terms of playing out from the back. And I think if we were to go back to a four, I've said it before, I think he'll be fine. Um, but Casey's come in and been superb and, and complimented um, the back three and brought out the best in Norburn, which in the domino effect has brought out the best in Dougal and, and the team moving forward and, and long may it continue. Dougal's brought out the best in Norburn, but you know... <laughs> Um, um, Dan, we'll, we'll let you go. We've come up to the half an hour mark. Um, I was going to talk to you a little bit about the transfer model, but you've spoken about that already and how Peterborough survived with that for many years and and, and his current situation. Um, a lot of le- a lot of allegedly thrown about, so we won't go into too much detail about that. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I always ask the guest the most pointless question in the world: Would you like to give a score prediction for Saturday? Oh, God, uh, oh. see. It's always bad when I go to the game because we never seem to win in away games. Where are you going? I am. Yeah. <laughs> First trip up there as well. It always seems to get cancelled when I uh, when I book it. it we, we have a tendency to book the, the Blackpool away trip in the middle of winter when your pitch is frozen and we can never seem to, to get it played. Uh, so it's nice and early this year. That's, that's good to see. Uh, my score prediction for the game, I'm, I'm going to go 1-1. That's an optimistic one one for us um and and hopefully we can we can keep our away form in check okay the last couple of home games have been pretty good against peterborough um i think it was a 3-1 in march um and then a 3-1 again in december when that sonny Kerry last i think scored a goal for blackpool that was a joke um but yeah um 3-1 but obviously the last time we played each other was not very good last game of the season under critchley's reign when he absolutely battered us 5-0 with many changes, but we've both come a long way since then or, or, or both changed a lot in them. So but um feel free to stick around. We're gonna we're gonna um dissect our performance against Cheltenham, but I appreciate um you probably want to go at this point. But I just want to say our thanks from the It's Not Orange podcast and look forward to catching you up after the game. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Right, gents, um to dissect um the performance against Cheltenham. Kurt, I'll come to you. Um been quiet um, for a while. Um, your initial thoughts on the lineup, as I do, I usually uh, I run through it. Um, Grimshaw, Connolly, Casey, Pennington, um, obviously Connolly coming in, Thompson, Dougal, Morgan, Hamilton, Dembele getting the start that we predicted on the, um, on the preview pod, and, uh, and a return for, return for Lavery and, and, of course, the evergreen Jordan Rhodes. What was your initial thoughts when you saw the lineup? Connolly probably being one of the biggest um, shocks in there because um, obviously Hubby being being a massive loss in my opinion. Husband not playing and being concerned about it shows how far Husband's come this season. I think the fact he's not in the team, I I, I just feel more comfortable with him there. And I, you know, I you'll throw Callum Connolly in anywhere and you'll put in a hundred percent, but the quality isn't there for me. I, I just, I don't think he's ever nailed down a position. I don't think he knows what his position is. So how is Critchley supposed to know? So um, look, it was interesting. I think we've, we, we've, we've wanted to see Dembele um, start. We wanted to be more attacking at home. I've called for it for a long time. I think, I think Critch is a lot and often, especially at home, worry too much about what the other team's doing. We don't need to worry about anybody else. We've seen this league. We've seen enough from the best teams. You know, we saw enough from Oxford. We've seen enough from the better teams in this league to know that we're, you know, we're up really happy with the team. I'm glad to see Lavery get a start. I think he's, um, you know, he looked really sharp on Saturday, looked quick. I think, you know, in his other appearances, he looked a bit slow and a bit off it and a bit off pace and his touch was heavy and he was a bit all over the place. Whereas on Saturday, he was running down the channels and I think he had, you know, um, 
he, he, glad he got that opportunity. Um, so yeah, I was pretty pretty happy with the team. Um, obviously concerned when you see husband dropping out, wondering if it's a long-term injury. So I'm um, glad to know that he's being rested. But it shows that we've got a bit of strength and depth here across our team that we can we can drop key players out and other players can come in and fill and do a job. So um, it just shows that our squad is 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 goes quite deep. Yeah, Hoggy, um, Kurt's just raised a, a really, really good point, actually, because I think I tweeted earlier after listening to Critchley talk um, that we obviously did give our transfer window the negative thought potentially because of not spending money, etc. But when you think Gabriel's coming back into full training, as is Joseph, and the changes we can make, and I appreciate the second half wasn't great, which we'll come on to, but it just shows that we do have quite a lot of quality throughout this squad. And if we do need to make changes naturally, as we do with a game Saturday, then Wednesday, then Saturday, then Tuesday, um, or the following Saturday against Bolton. Sorry, we've got thick and fast games, but we can make four or five changes and it have a positive effect in some respects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think on Tuesday night when I saw the team, I, I, uh, I termed it Kringo, Critch Bingo, in terms of what was going on. And I think there'll be quite a bit of that to come over the, over the coming weeks. Um, every team needs a Callum Conley, by the way, let me just say. I agree, Kurt. Someone who's going to give 107% every single time. He's the modern-day Danny Coyd. We can wheel him out in most positions and, and he'll certainly do a job. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about Dom Thompson being pulled out of the freezer for his monthly appearance from out of nowhere from Critch. Did, did well. Did well. I don't think he was helped by the fact that it was Conley behind him. Um the thing about husband, the biggest thing I think you alluded to it, Kurt, was the fact that he's naturally left-footed and just adds a balance to it. He can just spray that ball out five, ten yards to the left winger, and, and Conley wasn't understandably as well. By the way, wasn't quite as confident to to do that, and that didn't help Thompson out. But I think between them, they had a good enough game, um, certainly in the first half. Um, I know we, we touched upon the, the transfer when they mentioned it being a dramatic deadline day before when you were talking to Dan and I nearly fell off my chair and forgot that it happened for us. Um, but um, the, the, the transfer that we made in terms of roads on loan is looking rather astute. Yes, uh, we've got two players to come back in terms of um, Gabriel and Joseph. I'd probably throw Lyons in there as well. We've not really seen much of Lyons for you know, unfortunate personal reasons this year. He will be like a new signing when he comes back in as well. But what I will say and what I would like to see is that, and I mentioned it on the pod previously prior to the Cheltenham game, is that if we are in and around the top six and the top two come January, we need to have one eye on next season potentially being in the championship and looking to continue to strengthen that and not just relying on looking at Lions, Gabriel and Joseph and going, well, they're like three new players. We, we need to seriously kick on because... Um, Dan alluded to it as well earlier. This is a this is a poor league this year. You know, and he he gave a pretty damning statement of how Peterborough have done nothing. It's fair to say most of us would have expected Peterborough to be up there, um, and he certainly doesn't think that they're going to be. And like Kurt alluded to, we've seen quite a bit of well, saw Oxford for ninety minutes on Saturday just gone, and they really weren't up to that much to worry us at all. So we really need to kick on in January as well, not just rest on our laurels for the players that we've got coming back. Um, from fitness and what will be suspensions as well, etc. Around that time. Yeah, feels weird not having too many suspensions after last season, doesn't it? Um, we'll talk about. Um, I want to talk about Dembele next, um, and I'll get both your opinions on it. I'll just give my thoughts on him in, initially. Um, Hoggy, it was someone that we said we'd love to see come in, and we actually 
almost predicted uh, Critchley Bingo, didn't we? But we didn't expect Thompson or 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 Connolly to come in. But it was a positive change, in my opinion. Obviously, giving others a chance, and naturally, Morgan and Dembele deserved to start after their game-changing subs on against Oxford. Even though we didn't win the game, you know, we certainly played really well, as we spoke about. Dembele, for me. Initially, I thought it was a touch of the derby. Um, I didn't think it was wrong to put him in, clearly. Um, but he did, in my opinion, struggle to settle. However, there was that busyness about him and he was actually a lot more confident at start and he was nipping in between defenders. And of course, he had that chance initially, which I think he should have scored and he'll be glad that he didn't. Went for power rather than sort of chipping over the keeper. Don't slate him. It was it was a fairly difficult chance and he, and he made the decision early and I respect that. But um, he continued to be busy Um Kurt, I'll come to you first, but I don't know how you feel he played. For me, I'm not going to be critical of him. He's not there to be Dougal, um, but I do feel we were fairly light in midfield despite our first 45-minute dominance because Morgan and Dembele were obviously naturally not a fighting midfield pair. He's a luxury player. Like it, That's as simple as that. When, he, when you put him in there, it's try as much as you can, create as much as you can. If you lose the ball... Pff, that's what we've got players behind him for. That's why we've got a solid defence, a, a steady midfield. He's there to create something. And he did, you know, we, we can go back to the Oxford game. He came on, bang, two seconds later, he's put Rhodes in. Like it, those sorts of players that can just see things ahead of time. And when you've got a striker that's been there and done it at a higher level, that has got this crazy instinct, you know, he's going to find it more often than not. And that's, that's why I kind of said quite a few pods ago, I kind of want to see him at home when we're playing anybody, anybody at home, we should be looking to play him because he will create something out of nothing, but he will also go a bit missing. You know, if, if they sit a player on him, that's competent enough to just sit on him the entire time. He's quite a, well, we all know he's, he's tiny, he's four foot nothing, isn't he? So, and he, he doesn't look the strongest lad in the world. He could, he could, you know, do going to the gym a little bit, but, um, yeah, it, at home, we you know at this level, we should be looking to take it to teams, and players like that will create things. You know, they might be quiet for 10, 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, bang, they've t- taken a shot. You know, look at his goal; he took his goal superbly. You know, not I can't think of many other players in our team outside of Jordan Rhodes that be able to score like that. You know, because it was precision, wasn't it? It wasn't like he smashed it. The previous shot he had, he tried smashing it. Um, that one was really well struck, pace into the bottom corner. And, you know, um, I think there's a time and a place to use him. And Hoggy said earlier on, at the weekend, he might not even be in the squad. That's the sort of thing that Neil's up to at the minute. He might play completely differently. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Hoggy, I was just going to come on to. He's actually, I think Luxury describes him really well. He he lost four out of his seven ground jaws, but he got involved a lot, didn't he? He was nipping in between midfielders and he was battling, to be fair, I probably used the wrong words, he was battling for us, but he's not going to be impactful and and nor should he because he is that sort of player. But one thing I loved really, um, I'm going to mention the name, which I didn't think I mentioned for a while, but it was Sully Kaikai. When he was on form, he would drift along that front line into pockets and be fairly majestic with his passes, etc., and I'm not saying they completely remind me of each other, but at the same time, like Kaiko was the luxury player, wasn't he? He wasn't sometimes a hard worker, but at the same time, when I remember Gillingham at home, when, when we won, what, 4-1, wasn't it? When we thought it was going to be a really hard game, he was just absolutely unplayable. And I think Dembele will have that about him as well. One thing I, was, one thing I noticed um, is, well, Kurt's already said it, but against Oxford, he played one of the most delicious passes we've seen this season in terms of playing it behind a very good, defence for Oxford and I think he was the one that crossed it to Connolly twice where he missed the missed the um missed the goal from about four or five yards. But his ball 
distribution and his set piece ability is something that we've craved um, for many years, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, going back to Kai Kai, you know, Kai Kai was a was a very good player because you know not only did he have to dribble around players, he had to dribble around the toys that he threw out the pram every other week as well. So it was very <laughs> impressive. Um, but Dembele absolutely is a luxury player. Um, a couple of things we talk about stats quite often. Uh, I don't care how many ground duels he loses if he's scoring goals, getting assists, making chances, and you know playing positively on the front foot. That's what that role is all about. Um, again, if that chance that he well, his goal, if it would have fallen to uh, Carey, would Carey have hit it first time? Would Carey have brought it down, took a touch, and gone left or gone right? You know, and like you say, instinct, the, the, isn't it? It's instinct for Dembele. It's yeah, the, the, the technique as well. Like I said, he didn't he didn't absolutely smash it. I think he, he learned from his earlier chance that, like I say, he put against the bar. It's very similar to Peter, uh, sorry to Charlton, is it? Sorry to interrupt, but we thought we were going to place it beyond the keeper, but he actually <laughs> levers it into the back of it from about five, six yards out as well. Yeah, it was a really good technique and really good finish. But I do agree with you, Tom. I actually think he struggled to get into the game up until that, that moment. But then from there on in, to bring Kaikai back in, the difference here with Dembele, what he's shown so far, is that he isn't going to sulk around. He, he got involved. He was really busy. Uh, was always on the front foot and trying to make things happen. And that you know, finesse, if you like, um, to bring Keshi back into play. Um, the, the, the finesse um, of his passes, like you say, first time perfectly into the pass and um, into the, the sorry, our, our oncoming player's stride, if you like. For someone like Hamilton on the wing, it, it, it's perfect for him. He doesn't have to think too much about it. He'll knock the ball inside to, to Dembele and Dembele will, will, will knock it down the line for him to run onto. Um, and that's how players like Hamilton and Rhodes and Lavery up top are going to be most effective against a lot of bang average, poor, slow, sluggish defenders in this league. Yeah. My, I'll stay with you, Hoggy, but the, my final question was, um, and I do think he should start against Peterborough, but if Norburn's back with alongside Dougal, is that is that going to bring out the best in, in Dembele as well? Because he will literally be left to do what he absolutely wants to and he was relied upon Tuesday to do some defensive work as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, starts again for me um, on, on Saturday. Didn't do much wrong when he came on against Oxford. Got his chance. Played a big part in effectively winners of the game in 45 minutes on Tuesday. So, yeah, I'd like to think he starts again. And even more so after hearing Dan talk about Peterborough's lack of a, a holding midfielder. Um, and I think between Norburn and Dougal, they've got enough quality, quality between them to allow, like Kurt says, to allow Dembele to maybe have five minutes where he goes missing, but knowing that he's going to pop up and create two or three chances that we know Rhodes or Lavery will put away between them. Yeah, um, I want to talk about Morgan in a second, um, Kurt, but let's just quickly discuss that first half because, of course, it was overall extremely positive. We got three goals, should have probably had six or seven countless opportunities. Um, but we started off with good work with Dom Thompson down the left, crossed it into the box for Rose to head back for Lavery to score one of the easiest goals he's going to score. And it was good to see the Irishman start again and get on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah, it, I think that'll do in the world of good. You know, he seems to be coming back from his injury and he's kind of stuttered. Um, like I said earlier on, he, he seems to have a little bit of a, a dodgy start to the season, a couple of injuries, a bit of niggles, in and out of the team, not consistent. Whereas actually, I think when Yates went, we kind of thought at this level, you know, we've seen he, he's got it in his in his um, ability to do it above League One level. So, it, 
you know, when at league one level, we should see him excel. So hopefully he, he sort of pushes on now. Um, but I, Don Thompson, you know, one thing I noticed with him is the types of crosses that he was putting in. They, they seemed a little bit more um, direct to the back stick. And that felt like something they'd worked on. Like if Rhodes maybe has said to him, if you put it up the back stick, I'm going to be there or I'm going to be coming onto it or I'm going to be able to head it back across. It felt like they'd almost talked about that because it seemed, you know, the weight that he was putting on the ball, it wasn't like he was doing it, you know, just out of pure luck. It was actually, it felt like he put it back there on purpose. So, um, yeah, look, first half was fantastic. I don't think we need to talk about the second half, to be honest, do we? We just, we won the game. That's all we need to say. Uh, move on. That's, that's, Keep it positive, right? I'll keep it positive, uh, Hoggy, by talking about um, the man that is Jordan Rhodes because um, I'm not sure what Morgan was attempting with the free kick. Maybe he was trying to pick out his head. I'm not sure, but um, it was a pretty poor free kick. Don't get me wrong, but um, I was not at the game and I was listening to it and Carrie Bowyer on, um, on the comms literally laughed when he when he scored I don't know if you've watched the highlights back or watched it back but the header he just laughs because they're talking about Jordan Rhodes and his natural ability to score and he and he didn't say any words he just he just laughed like I said and the goal itself I just I, I called it an absolute joke because not only did he do it against Stevenage where the ball's flying at him and he uses his chest just to direct it which by, by no no way is it is an easy thing to do Maybe that he made it look too easy, but for me, the goal is an absolute joke. Yeah, it, it really it, it's it's class. It's not it's absolutely class. Um, he meant the he meant the one against Stevenage. He meant the one on Tuesday night against Cheltenham. Um, and if you look at his starting position from the free kick, um, like you say, okay, it wasn't the best free kick, um, but he starts off basically stood outside the box next to the linesman. You're thinking, how's no one picking up our top goal scorer in and around the box from a set piece? And then you watch it back and it just makes complete sense. He puts himself so far out the way of anyone. And as soon as um, as Morgan's free kick was, as soon as Morgan started running to take it, Rhodes sets off like a, like a bullet train across the edge of the box. No one can pick him up. Sticks his head on it and it's in the back of the net. And Jordan Rose has done what Jordan Rose does throughout his whole career. And yeah, it just... It, the last couple of goals he scored for us, I just reminded why I used to hate seeing him in the opposition lineup so much against us. Because you know he'd put the ball in the net against us in some horrible fashion and think it was a fluke. But now he's wearing tangerine. It's great to see, and there's absolutely no fluke about it. It's it's a learnt skill over his career. He's a master craftsman, uh, and he will do the same on Saturday. He will score, and Blackpool will win, no doubt about it. I'll st- stick with Jordan Rhodes because he gave half an hour interview. Um, um, which they put out on Monday, um, Radio Lanks, and I don't know if any of you have heard it, but he 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 says literally that he's probably never been happier in his football and career, and Kurt, it probably bodes well, or, or or probably breaks a heart even more if he goes in January. But there's there's a potential there if he's settled with his family and he's settled at the football club and the fans adore him and he carries on the way he is that we 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 either extend his loan or we try and sign him outright um, in the in the window. Don't fall in love with loan players. Like how many times that's it's already happened, mate. It's already happened. Like we could go on. Just stop falling in love with loan players, and you'll 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 be okay. I've said on the forum, like just accept that he's being recalled. We need to have a plan in place. 
let's look at some of the other strikers knocking about in, in League Two that are doing well or even in this league. Yeah, look, um, let's appreciate him whilst he's here. And if that happens to be till May when we um, win a league for the first time in my lifetime anyway, then, then so be it. Um, the, the interesting thing about that interview and, and something I was thinking about is that there's something to be said about a striker knowing he's the main man. Knowing that he's like, no matter what you are, you are the main man. You're going to be playing every game. And he said he wanted to come to play games. You know, at Huddersfield last season, in and out of the team. We saw it with Jerry Yates in, you know, in Critchley's championship season. He was in and out of the team, didn't score too often. Whereas season after, Jerry Yates is, you know, I think Appleton basically told him you're the main man. And it, there's something to be said about being told, you know, you are our main striker and you're going to be playing no matter what. Um, and then when you build a team around him, you know, that's what we should be looking to do, building a team around him, possibly Dembele as such, but uh, just ensuring we're pride in as much service. We've seen it, he's going to score. Like He's just going to score from all sorts of peculiar ways, whether that's nipping in you know, in front of a, a defender at the front post or you know, some sort of crazy bullet header or chest from a, from a free kick. He's going to find a way to score. So um, I, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is he is 33, 34 years old. And he's playing a lot of 90 minutes. Let's, uh, and I appreciate Tuesday probably was the time to take him off after 60 minutes, but Cheltenham were, you know, starting to come back into it. Um, let's not get him injured. I said the same about Jerry Yates last season where we ran him into the ground. Um, let's look after him. You know, if that means that, you know, we have to sacrifice for a draw or something, I don't know, but I just don't want to see him get overrun because Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, uh, Saturday, Wednesday, it's a, heavy load to take maybe even start a game with Lavery and Kwasi you know at Fleetwood and then bring Rhodes on or something I don't know but um, we have to look after him Cue him starting against Bromley that's <laughs> 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 um, as enough talk about Jordan Rhodes it's becoming a weekly um, weekly occurrence and, and long may it continue he's averaging a goal basically every 90 minutes, which is best in the league for per 90 played as well, which shows he is, you know, in fine form for the Seasiders. But the next man I want to talk about, uh, who should we go to? Let's talk about Morgan, Kurt, and I'll stay with you because I think you, you put on X that why is he taking Morgan off? I personally think, bar the odd few 45, 30 minutes here and there, um, he's very much a passenger. Now, the reason I say that is I don't really know his role in this team initially when he was playing wide as a centre midfielder and leaving Norburn exposed. That might be down to Critchlow said it at the time. He's clearly got some talent. He's clearly got the ability to think about what he wants to do and be positive, etc. But for me, um, 69% pass rate. I think his accurate long balls is he was five out of eleven. Just going off off stats here, he didn't he recovered the ball I think once. Um, yeah, once. Um, and he I, I, he didn't win any tackles in the middle of the park, um, unlike Dougal. I don't know what his role was if Dembele's was to be the flare man and Dougal's was to be the defensive midfielder. I don't know if this is Critchley's fault, but for me, it's just not cutting it. Um, and I really want him to do well. I think he's a, a good personality, but I, I, you may give a different opinion. But for me, he's, he's not a starter. Slightly. Saturday when he came on was what I was expecting to see more of. You know, tempo on the ball, spreading it, a 30-40 yard pass, like tempo. That was what I was expecting. I, I, I wonder if um, you know, he with Norburn got a little bit lost. And I think we we've played like a almost a flat middle three of Dougal, Norburn and and um and Morgan at times. And 
kind of stood on each other's toes or not really sure where they're going. And I, I actually think he quite likes being the man at the bottom of the, you know, the Norburn role where he can pick the ball up, where he can pass it. Um, but he does have those games in his locker where he's either not, doesn't feel like he's in it, doesn't feel like he's as crisp. Um, I'm not, I'm not convinced on him at all, but I just feel like he's got more ability. I think he's got a better passing range than some of our midfielders. But if he's not on it, it is really obvious. You know, it is really obvious. It depends what Critchley wants out of him. Critchley wanted Oakley Booth to be shifting the ball five yards, left, right. That was it. Just keep hold of the ball. Don't lose it. Shift it. And if that's what he wants him to do, or was he asking Morgan to be a bit more expressive to try and ping it long, to try and get us up up the pitch? I don't know. It depends what Critchley is doing. But I, I agree that he's kind of flattered to deceive since he's been here. And I said that, you know, at this stage of the career, when you make a move from your boyhood club, you need to start pressing on a little bit. And, you know, you, you're almost making yourself look like a bit of a League One journeyman at the minute. But I, at, at there's something in there. He's played a lot of minutes, yeah. though, hasn't he? Hoggy, you got 30 seconds on, on Morgan, or should we move on? Move on. Fair enough. Um, I want to talk about my favourite player in Tangerine, and of course, Hoggy, um, I'll give you the limelight for this one, and that is, of course, King Kenny Dougal, um, a man that originally, with, in my opinion, with Grant Ward, Critchley's first, was one of the two best centre midfielders, Perrin. They complement each other extremely well. Dougal's finding his form with Norburn, but when Norburn wasn't there... Um, was it against Oxford? Yeah, it was against Oxford. He stepped up. Um, and then I also said when Morgan and Dembele were starting, again, that is if there's another game for him to step up. St- sorry, step up. Um, it, it's this one because he is now going to be our, our vocal, vocal point in midfield. So um, stats galore, but the one that sticks out the most in the middle when you're exposed by yourself is 14 ball recoveries. Um he was dispossessed a couple of times, but he had one of the most touches and he passed the ball the most um, on the pitch on Tuesday night, um, which 46 successful passes out of like 56, something like that. He was a man possessed um, and he made me fall in love with him a little bit more than I already do. So what was your thoughts on, on King Kenny on Tuesday? Um, I'm astounded he didn't get man of the match on Tuesday. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I, he, he could sit on the bench and you'd say, that, oh, Tom, that's fair, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, he, he, he was brilliant. He really was, like you said, last two games, he's been asked to step up and take on some of the responsibility that Norburn usually does. And he's he's, he's done it with uh, flying colours. Um, I think he's brought out the best of those around him as well. Um, I'm intrigued and looking forward to Saturday to see if he can maintain that level of performance if, as we expect, Norburn will come in alongside him. And then if he can, and Norburn picks up, as he has been doing... <laughs> I think we'll absolutely steamroll Peterborough. I, re- I really do. Um, Duke, he's, he's been superb. He won everything. He, he was all over the place. Um, he did very well as well. It was as if he was listening to the podcast before the game, not to pick up a yellow card, because there was a couple of times where he got the wrong side of his man, and he, you're thinking he's just going to pull on his shirt, he's just going to trip him up. There was one up. where he lifted his arms and up and just he, completely stopped. Yeah, he, Exactly. Um, he did, so he did well to get through 90 without a yellow. Like I say, making so many recoveries and winning so many tackles. Yeah, it was a really, really strong performance from Dugan on Tuesday, and I hope and I expect, I think he will, carry on with Norburn alongside him and, and that'll be a really big plus for us. He just needs to also um, start hitting some more of his free kicks around the edge of the box. He's been a bit too soft from the 30 yards out of go- out from goal, letting other people take them. Get it down, put your foot through it. 
and absolutely smash it on target because one of them's going to fly in sooner or later. I think he was confident that Morgan would find Rhodes, though. That's, that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Four and a half minutes left, gents. I want to keep this to an hour. Um, so I'll give you both a minute on the second half because uh, Mr. Jordan Hayes, our, our dear friend, has asked the question in, in the chat. Why cannot... Why can't we play football for more than 45 minutes, so to speak? Now, um, Kurt, I'll come to you first because obviously the goal that we conceded um, on the stroke of half-time was clearly offside and the last five minutes can be taken up by competent refs at League One, which I'll just say in a, in a small statement was one of the worst refs I've seen on a football pitch for a very long time for both sides. Horrendous decision-making. They weren't up to line with with um, their striker when he scored um, the, his first. They weren't even up to his his same level. So they probably just let it go for that sheer fact they didn't see it properly or they're whatever, just incompetent. However, the goal did kill momentum a little bit and we probably would have made some changes at half-time. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Football, things happen in football and we went into the break 3-1 up and we start the second half fairly well. However, we made that game feel ridiculously uncomfortable, even though we won three points. Um, the goal that came on the 86th minute left us 10 minutes of football to play with us showing no real attacking intent and players kind of look a bit lost. Was it just one of those things that happened and evolved over the sort of 45 and it was, and Critchley knows it. Um, I think Dan, sorry, Hoggy said to me before Critchley even said it, Critchley's going to be steaming at full time because he knows what sort of performance we put in that 45 and he'll never make that same mistake again or we won't make that same mistake again. And Critchley came out and said it about half an hour later. So what was your thoughts on the second half and am I overthinking it by being a little bit worried by that performance? Uh, I think we're overthinking it. I think on another day, um, that's five or six nil that game. I think, you know, in five, six weeks time when we've beat a couple of other teams, two or three nil, we'll, we'll be a bit more comfortable. I don't think we've been in a position where after 35, 36 minutes with three nil up, could have been four four or five nil up. Um, they'll learn from that. And I think you're right. I think Critch will go absolutely mental at them more than, you know, he probably has done this season because that was kind of very lackadaisical for the last sort of 30 minutes. And we're, we're a little bit lucky that Cheltenham provided next to nothing from an attacking output. I didn't, I wasn't impressed with any of their players, really. I wouldn't have swapped any, any single one of Cheltenham's players for ours. Maybe Liam Serkham about 10 years ago, but, um, yeah, look, for me, don't get too high after a win. Don't get too low after a loss. Don't get too annoyed when you're 3-0 up and you you win 3-2. You know, we were moaning and we got beat by Lincoln about seven, eight weeks ago, 3-0. And let's chill out a bit. You know, we've got some really interesting games coming up. Some tight, I think they'll be tight games. Um, and we we got Bolton and Fleetwood away after this weekend. So if we can get anywhere from six to seven points out of these next three, we're looking at, you know, we're, we're well in the mix. So um, we just need a bit more consistency. You know, we need to string together a full 90 minutes, not 45 in one game and then 45 in the next. Yeah, Hilgi, old to have a manager that makes four subs at half-time, eh? Um, Absolutely. Daryl Clark, um, very good manager. Me and Kurt are fond of him, and I think he'll do better than than Cheltenham. No disrespect to them, but he'll go on now. He's settled in management to to, to move on, and he did try and impact the game, and that he did. And you alluded to it pre-pod that um, those four subs really killed our momentum, so to speak, and, and 
you know, I'm not saying we were lucky to win because we did fully deserved it, but it made for a nervous game. But every credit to Cheltenham because they did try and play football. Yeah, they did. I, mean, I agree with what Kurt said in terms of they didn't offer too much, but the second half they did, they made the subs, they, they pressed on um, Dougal and Morgan. We couldn't really play out as much as what we had done. But again, they did, you know, they've did. had two shots on target and scored them both. You know, if they had more, they might have equalised and took something out of the game, but never really felt like we were, we were under pressure um, in, in the second half, maybe until after they equalised. But again, uh, sorry, after they scored the second, but again, they, they've not had a shot on target to then go and equalise. Um, I, I agree the first half was absolutely superb um, the game has changed in terms of the offside decision their striker was, was, was closer to the goal line than Grimmy was at one point when that first ball was played um, but again that's the utter incompetence of, of football league referees apart from Jeremy Simpson who had a great game last night just down the road getting every decision correct so well done Jeremy um, what I will say though is it, 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 it's three points it's a win. The game won't be sticking around long in the memory. Um, and the reality is we won a game of football by turning up for 45 minutes. We've put a team to bed in the first half and that's job done. I mean, we can do that against quite a few teams in this league, in my opinion. Um, and if we switch the half round, if we come out of that second half playing like we did in the first half, that everyone's delighted and buzzing. So yes, it leaves a bit of a bad taste because it wasn't the best and it was the second half, but the first half, so sh- certainly it shouldn't be forgotten about. And like Rich said, he won't let them forget about the second half either. So positives, we move forward uh, onto Saturday for, for what's a, a big game, but one that I, I'm very confident we'll be taking three more points from. Do you subscribe to that idea, Kurt? Another game at Plumford Road, and apart from the Derby one and some what lackadaisical football in, in the beginning of the season, it's starting to tick and we're building that foundation. They aren't moved that midfield base and, and obviously Rhodes and his partner working really well with, with a solid defence. So are you confident for another three points on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the form tables before and um, we're second in home form and we're 18th in away form. Um, and interestingly enough, even though um, the Peterborough chap mentioned that they're not very good away from home, they're sixth and they're sixth. So, look, they're not going to be easy, but I think, you know, if we play like that first half for, even if we played 80% of that first half, but played it for the full game, we're beating everybody at home. You know, we've got a really good squad, um, but we just have to keep being consistent. We have to start turning some of these draws and losses away from home into draws and wins, um, and that will consolidate and keep us going. Um, You know, starting with... As Hoggy said, the pub team next Wednesday. Let's get three points on Saturday and then follow up with uh, beating that lot down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to call that pod, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think the Peterborough guy was surprisingly um, pessimistic. I expected him with their league position to come on and say they've been playing some half-decent football, but um, I'm not going to fall into that trap of feeling positive on Saturday just yet, unlike Hoggy. Um, I think it'll be a difficult match. I think they do have talent, but if we're on our game and we're organised, I think, like we said, with their lack of holding midfielder, we, we should pick up three points, but it's up to Blackpool to take it to them. And like we said, we shouldn't fear anyone at home. So let's fingers crossed uh, for a decent performance. And we're previewing and reviewing another victory um, and looking forward to, to the Fleetwood game. But Hoggy, um, back-to-back pods, it's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. You've given a decent insight and, and I look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Kurt. 
Yeah, yeah. cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. I'm going to put a thousand pounds on us to win after the optimism from that Peter fan. It's a sure thing, right? <laughs> well, got some stats for you. Every time Hoggy's confident of a win, we've won so far on this pod. So, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed that can stay 100% as well. But from all of us at the It's an Orange podcast, have a good evening. Yeah.